Well, these inflation numbers aren't good. Do they actually care? We'll talk about that tonight. We have my friend John Phillips, a great light in the mood. All that's coming up on I'm Right. And with this president, this Joe Biden, this president with justice, environmental justice, economic justice, so much has been accomplished. Justice? Justice for whom, Nance? What's Grandma Vodka talking about? Justice? Don't pass, don't just pass over this. Understand what's actually happening right now. Now, I don't have to explain to you the reality of what's happening to you. Look, inflation numbers, you've been hearing about them all day. They rose 7.9%, worst number since 1982. You get all that. You understand that used cars are up 41%, gas up 38%, meat, fish, eggs, 13, electricity, nine, clothes, six, food and gas alone. Americans are spending roughly $3,000 more per year than they were last year. Okay, so you understand that. That, that's, that you understand. But what's she talking about justice? Doesn't feel like justice to you, does it? I've been complaining all week. The wife just filled up her tank. We got an SUV. It's like eight years old, so not ancient or anything like that, but $100. $100 for a tank of gas. Justice? What's she mean? Well, it's time to have a discussion, an honest discussion, about the communists in this country. They love this. They absolutely love this. They're not sitting around right now, a table, like you probably are with your family. They're not sitting around thinking, ah, normal people are getting killed. Hey, what are we gonna, how are we gonna fix this? These thoughts don't enter their mind. In their private moments, when they get together right now, they're looking out at the destruction of the middle class at the decimation of the oil and gas industry. They're looking out at normal people who live paycheck to paycheck, getting slaughtered, and they're saying to themselves, oh, nice. You you have to understand, as we've talked about a thousand times, the destruction is intentional. The destruction is intentional. And that is so hard for good people to understand. It's hard for good people to wrap their minds around how evil people think. Because you'll say things like this, and I've said things like this too. Why? Why would they want to destroy it? Unless you understand that communism is a religion and a very, very evil one, you'll never be able to understand what you're seeing right now and why these people think like this, why they talk like this. Why would they want to destroy the country intentionally? They hate the country. They hate you. They hate themselves, if it makes you feel better. They hate everything. They want to destroy all. Look around you, look around you. Take a moment, look around you. Look at every single Democrat policy position today. Every one of them. Notice anything? Ah, border, let's do border. What's the Democrat policy platform today on the border? Absolutely wide open borders, let every single illegal immigrant in the country and basically campaign on the fact they won't deport a single soul. Well, you don't have to be a Republican. You don't have to be on the left, right? Anything to understand. That's insane. 
That's the destruction of a nation. What are you doing? You're, you're bringing in a bunch of non-citizens? A bunch of drugs and crime are coming with them? What? That's crazy. Okay, so that's one policy that's obviously destructive. All right. Let's talk about Dem policy when it comes to abortion. Maybe you're not a hardcore pro-life person. I very much am, but that's fine. Look, look at this from a cold-hearted standpoint. Abortion. So the, the official Democrat Party platform now is you should be able to murder your baby right up to the point mom delivers it, and in some cases, afterwards. That's infanticide. That's awful. Okay, but move, move along. Let's just down the list. Every single policy. The Democrat Party platform is, when it comes to something like energy, let's destroy the oil industry. Put in some solar panels and wind farms. Okay, well, the world runs on oil. And you say that to them, and you think that's somehow going to move them. They know the world runs on oil. They're trying to destroy the world. They understand it goes way beyond gas prices. Everything practically is made with oil. Your phone is made with oil. It's all made with oil. They know. The destruction is intentional. Until you accept that, you'll never be able to accept what we're facing here. They're thrilled right now about inf inflation. They're thrilled about gas prices. They're thrilled about the prospects of a nuclear war in Europe. This is all music to their ears. The more death and destruction and misery there is out there, the easier it is for them to gain and hold more power and then destroy more things. This is all wonderful. They don't have any plans to fix it. I mean, they have a plan, but it's not to fix it. Their plan is just to simply lie to you about it. Here's Jen Psaki just lying about what it. What specifically can you point to that has worked to bring down inflation? Well, uh, there are a number of steps we've taken. If you've seen, if you compare month to month, we've seen inflationary pressure or inflationary numbers go down month to month, even as, as we looked at the year-to-year -year numbers go up, which we entirely predicted. What? Well, I, I know, yearly, and the, the, but if you break it down in the month, okay, that's just a bald-faced lie. And she knows that. She knows. Again, they don't have any plans to fix anything. Their plan is to try to get you not to blame them and slaughter them at the polls for it. That's all. In their minds, they don't have an inflation problem. They don't have a gas price problem. They just have a polling problem. So they'll lie. Because we're dealing with evil people. Evil people. Accept it. I mean, look. We're getting crushed right now. Keystone Pipeline is right there. Uh, Jen, are you going to open that back up? Well, is it possible that Joe Biden will ever say, you there's, guys can go ahead with construction of Keystone XL? There's no plans for that, and it would not address any of the problems we're having currently. People are arguing that if a pipeline that wouldn't have even been in operation by now were still under construction, the situation in, with today's oil prices would be different, or that President Biden's policies have decreased production. We all know that that is the same old D.C. BS. They don't have any intention of fixing it. They don't want to fix it. And maybe you're sitting there right now, maybe you're a good person, you probably are, and maybe you're sitting there right now as a good person and you're saying, Jesse, you're wrong. They're not evil. They don't want to destroy. They're a little misguided and wrong on the issues they don't want to destroy. Okay, that's fine. That's fine. Don't, don't take it from me. Take it from them. The reality is 
we are going to have to graduate from the gas tax because we're going to have to graduate from gas. I've argued against any more oil drilling or gas drilling on federal lands. There's no question I'm in favor of banning fracking. So, yeah, and, and, and starting... And starting with what we can do on day one around public lands. Would there be any place for fossil fuels, including coal and fracking, in a Biden administration? No, it would be, we, would, we would work it out. We would make sure it's eliminated and no more subsidies for either one of those, either any fossil fuel. We Thank can't. You don't have to take it from me. They campaign on it right out in the open. And again, as they look around right now, they're not worried about your gas prices. They're not worried about inflation. The communist is now doing what the communist always does, looking at misery and poverty and saying to himself, there's a tremendous opportunity here. Here's the energy secretary. That clean energy transition is not just coming. It is here. I think it presents an enormous opportunity. Enormous opportunity to improve the health of the public overall, number one, because we're moving in the direction that we don't need uh, to propel most of what we have in the future by, uh, with regard to uh, oil products. Hey, transition time, baby. And, and look, maybe you're saying to yourself, all right, Jesse, you convinced me. The destruction is intentional. But you can't tell me these people, these flesh and blood human beings, you can't tell me they're not looking out there at all this suffering and not feeling something in their hearts because that's what normal people do. I'm a cold-hearted jerk, and I feel things. I look at families struggling and think, man, that sucks. That's how I am. So again, once again, don't take it from me. As you're getting slaughtered at the pump, having a lower lifestyle than you've ever had in, or than you've had in years, as you're watching things in your life evaporate because you can't afford to live, I want you to listen very closely to how concerned the energy secretary is about you. We obviously are all in on making sure that we meet the president's goals of getting to 100% clean electricity by 2035 and uh, net zero carbon emissions by 2050. And, um, you know, if you drive an electric car, this would not be affecting you, clearly. Uh Doesn't she sound busted up? <laughs> you wouldn't have to worry about prices if you just had a Tesla peasant. Okay. Used cars are up 41.2%. New cars are up 12.4%. Electric cars, on average, sell for $56,000. That's ten grand more than the one that runs on oil and gas. Don't you have ten grand, peasant? I have 10 grand, got it under my mattress. Why haven't you gone electric? They're not looking out at your suffering right now. Nobody, not Biden, Saki, Graham, and none of them. They're not looking out at your suffering right now and sitting around a table huddling over, how do we fix this? How can we make it better for the American family? They're looking out at your suffering and they're saying to themselves, oh, nice, nice. The destruction is going along fine. Hey, let's get together, though. We do have to figure out how do, how do we make sure they don't blame us. That's the only conversation they're having. All that may have made you uncomfortable, but I'm right. We've got a great show for you tonight. Now, my friend John Phillips is going to join us next, and he's always a good time. Let's talk about your holster real quick, though, first. Where'd you get it? Be honest. Where'd you get it? 
did you go to the big box hunting store, grab your pistol, and then just turn around and, hey, wh what section are the holsters in? And go grab some mass-produced pile of crap off the shelves. I've done it. No judgment. I've done it. Don't do that. Your holster's really important. It needs to last. Go to Northwest Retention Systems. They have custom-made holsters, mag carriers, slings. Check out their best-selling Scout chest holster. Northwest Retention Systems has the quality gear. NWRetention.com. Use the promo code JESSE, and that gets you 10% off, all right? NWRetention.com. We'll be back. I've worked in the White House twice before uh, in times of economic recovery. What I, what I can tell you is that the economy comes back first and voters internalize that second. Uh, they, they need to see that the positive signs they're seeing aren't just temporary. They need to see that they really reflect where we're going as a country. They need to see that really that growth will be shared widely. Uh, they need to see that that growth is lasting. And we're just getting back up off the mat. You know, when we came here uh, 14 months ago, the economy was dead in the water, less than 50,000 jobs a month being created. Uh, we had just been through all these shutdowns and all these uh, all these setbacks in our economy. And and now we are growing again and we are coming back again. And I think that uh, that progress uh, needs to be fully internalized by the American people. See, so the economy's fine. You just haven't internalized it yet. Of course, it's your fault. Joining me now is John Phillips, of course, of the great John Phillips show on KABC in Los Angeles and a columnist with the Southern California News Group. John, why are you still internalizing this? Why haven't you just expressed it outwardly how great things are? You know, it's funny because they do this with crime stats, too. Whenever people complain about the exploding crime rate, they go, well, if you look at the statistics, what you'll find is that the crime rate's really going down. And if you were just smart enough to really understand the empirical evidence that we have, you would realize <laughs> that while it seems like crime is going up, crime is actually going down. If your answer is the public's just too dumb to understand how great of a job you're doing, you're going to get killed at the ballot box. John... Uh, it's obvious what they're doing right now. It makes me sick, but it's obvious what they're doing. It's immediately the Putin price hike and everything else, trying to scapegoat Vladimir Putin and the Russia-Ukraine thing for everything that was already going wrong. I get it. I, I understand the political strategy. Kind of evil, but I get it. Is it going to be effective? Well, if you go back to the first explanation that they gave as to why prices were going up, they said it was temporary. And as soon as the temporary inflation was over, everything would go back to normal. And then they started blaming everything on the virus. It's the virus's fault. It's the virus that's causing the supply chain crisis and the labor shortage and the spike in crime and homelessness and inflation and everything else. And then on a dime, when they started getting rid of the mask mandates and, and proof of vaccination, they then started to blame everything on Russia. And at a certain point, what happens is the public realizes that you're just looking for any convenient target to blame. But voters, and they've done this time and time again, blame whoever it is that's in power when the bad stuff happens. They know the end is near. 
they know what's going to happen in November. So they're already starting to try to write the narrative to explain away their losses. Okay, I understand. I have a bunch of other stuff I want to get to, but I can't, I can't stop on this just yet. November. Let's assume, and I am assuming at this point in time, I don't want to get the cart before the horse. Let's assume it's an electoral bloodbath like we haven't seen. I think this will be worse than post-Obamacare. I do. I, I think it'll be brutal. Uh, what is the Democrat plan? If John Phillips becomes a communist tomorrow and takes over the Democratic Party, how in the world do you get out of that now? You're Joe Biden. You're half-functional. You have a House and Senate hostile to you. Your backup is Dome. She's no help at all. The other backup is Rear Admiral Buckig, and he's not popular. He can't get out of a primary. And Grandma Death Hillary Clinton just announced she's not running. What are you supposed to do if you're a Democrat at this point in time? Well, the only thing they know how to do is double and triple down on everything that hasn't worked. Joe Biden had an opportunity to hit the reset button at the State of the Union address. But instead of saying, all right, what we've been doing hasn't worked, we look at the polls, we understand that voters are angry, here's how we're going to change course, here's what we're going to do to try to accomplish something uh, the rest of the year. Instead of doing that, what did he do? He started talking about build back better, piece by piece, and offended Joe Manchin yet again. What do they do whenever the numbers regard, related to the virus go bad? They go back to the shutdowns. They go back to the mask mandates. They go back to all the stuff that they've already tried that hasn't worked. They, there is no plan B that they have. They, they only know one thing. So if I were in charge of their party, I would tell them that they need to acknowledge that voters are not happy with the product they're getting from them, and they need to try something else, try something new. Bill Clinton was able to do that. Bill Clinton was able to, to recognize when voters were upset with what was coming from Washington, D.C., and that's when you get welfare reform. That's when you get the balanced budget. That's when you get these tough on crime initiatives. Joe Biden and the current crop of Democrats, they don't have the ability to do that. They're paralyzed by their wokeness. They're, they're essentially being run by the squad. Okay, speaking of paralyzed, I'm looking at California prices, and of course they're the highest in the country when it comes to gas, about $5.70 per, gal per gallon for regular, over six twenty for diesel. Now, it's high here in Texas, John, but I can still find places where I'm paying under four. Why is it so much higher out there? Well, gas is so expensive here. I heard it costs Lionel Richie $900 to do his hair, which is something ah, that's ah, ah, hit that bank that's account right. real hard. <laughs> this is one of these cases where government matters. Uh, you look at the average price of gas, we're number one, and we're number one by far. Hawaii is number two. And you think about it, California is sitting on a ton of oil. We have oil off the coast. We have oil on the ground. We produce a lot of oil. We should produce more. But it's more expensive here than it is in Hawaii, where everything has to go there via ship. And it's expensive for a lot of reasons. First and foremost, we have a special summer blend for the environment that causes prices to spike as soon as the weather gets hot. So that's around the corner. We have a cap-and-trade bill that passed, thanks to Republican support, by the way, in the state oh, legislature. Gosh. The Republican leader, Chad Mays, was the one that provide the, provided the vote to put it over the top. So that 
is costing us in the pocketbook. We have gasoline taxes at the state and federal level. We have sales tax that applies to gasoline that, that, that hits us pretty hard. And when you tack one on top of another, on top of another, on top of another, you end up with the cost of a price of gasoline uh, that is prohibitively expensive. And the only drilling that's going on right now in California is people drilling through your gas tank to steal your gasoline, which is now spiking. Oh, oh, I didn't even think about that. Of course, gasoline theft would be going through the roof. It's like liquid gold at this point in time. All right, speaking of drilling, Kamala Harris went to Poland. I don't know why we're sending Dome off to Europe to negotiate things, but here's how it went, John. We all watched the television coverage of just yesterday. That's on top of everything else that we know and don't know yet based on what we've just been able to see and because we've seen it or not doesn't mean it hasn't happened. But just limited to what we have seen. Is the United States willing to make a specific allocation for Ukrainian refugees? And for President Duda, I wanted to know if you think and if you asked the United States to specifically accept more refugees. Okay. <laughs> a friend in need is a friend indeed. <laughs> okay, uh, yeah, Nothing funnier than some refugees fleeing a war-torn country. John, I had an argument with a friend earlier today. He believes that Kamala Harris is an average person who believes she's above average. I said it's the opposite. She's an average person who believes she's below average. That's why it's awkward all the time. It's not a confident human being. She's not comfortable in her own skin. People who laugh for no reason in awkward times are either schizophrenic or they're not comfortable in their own skin. She is a woman who is fundamentally not comfortable in her own skin. And I was having a conversation this morning with a friend who couldn't understand why in the world they would send this woman over to that part of the globe right now as everything is going to hell when everything that she touches goes to hell we saw it with the border we saw it with their voting rights legislation we see it when they send her on the morning shows to clean up after joe biden's various messes everything she does goes to hell and the only thing i can think of is that because people on the left see everything through the prism of race, they're almost catatonic. It handcuffs them and it forces them to do things like this that make no sense. Historically, the position of vice president is a job that is a do-nothing job. You go to the weddings and funerals of third world dictators. It's like being married to Tom Cruise. You get to be around celebrities, you get to go to nice restaurants, but there's really not much that you have to do. That's it. But because they don't make it seem like they are pushing her over to the side and giving her these ceremonial tasks that have nothing to do with government, they give her important jobs. She's just not capable of doing it. But they can't sideline her because if they sideline her, they would be seen as racist and sexist and everything else that, that they call us. So I, I think that they're kind of behind the eight ball with her. They're stuck with her and they have to use her in high profile positions and high profile arenas or else she's going to complain that she's being sidelined because of her race and sex. Gosh. All right. All right. Well, that's the president and vice president. Here's a little montage of how the Speaker of the House did yesterday, John.
Is it a secret that the Republicans have wanted to have, did you not know that, George, that Romney had sent around a letter with all the senators signing it that said we have to take the money out of state and local government? This is not, it, what is, may come as, as, as news to someone is that, yeah, when you subtract money, money is subtracted. Something is better than nothing. I was in school, I attended the inauguration of John F. Kennedy. Were any of you alive then? In fact, when I spoke to President Zelensky, I said, Billie Jean King sends you her regards and wants to know how she can help in an event. Sean, does Nancy Pelosi have a substance abuse problem or is she just... <laughs> That's how she stays so thin does a bump of coke right before she goes on that house floor. <laughs> Nancy Pelosi is an 81-year-old woman whose father ran the political machine in Baltimore, Maryland. She is a gangster. And every political skill that she has that she's good at, and she is very good at it, is something that happens behind the scenes that we don't get to see. She's very good at intimidating her members into voting the way that she wants them to vote. She's very good at recruiting candidates that, that at least optically fit their district. She's very good at raising campaign money that she can then spread around the Democratic caucus. She's awful communicating with the public. She's awful at trying to articulate a thought or to, to make an argument to convince anyone of anything. So in, in, in regard to that part of the job, she's a total failure. But the nuts and bolts of being a House Speaker or being a leader of a party happens behind closed doors, behind the scenes. When can you think of a time, outside of maybe Mitch McConnell, where our side has had a leader that kept the caucus in line whenever there's an important vote? We always have yeah. a handful of Judases that abandon us at the last minute and side with the Democrats and give them electoral victory after electoral victory after electoral victory. On their side, it doesn't happen. And when it does happen, it doesn't happen in Nancy Pelosi's chamber. It's Joe Manchin and Kirsten Cinema. Chuck Schumer isn't as good of his, at his job as Nancy Pelosi. She keeps her people in line voting lockstep. I mean, for her to get anything through, the squad is gonna have to vote the same way as the blue dogs and she makes it happen. We need someone like that on our side. Amen. John Phillips, thank you, my brother. Thanks for having me. He's always good. All right, Mike Howe, time to talk about the border. Just a second, but first, let's talk about allergy season cometh, huh? But look, we're all looking around. We're looking at that sun shining, little pollen in the air, and we're all thinking the same thing. Oh, no, it's time. Just getting eaten pure thunderstorm. I have three of them. I threw away my allergy medication after I got one of these things. I got one, and it worked so good. I didn't know if it was gonna work. It worked so good, I went and got two more. The thing is amazing. It not only cleans your air continuously, it's just this little black box goes right in the outlet. It cleans your air continuously, and it took care of my allergies. Go to EdenPureDeals.com and use the code JESSE, because they have a deal right now. They're selling three packs of these things for under $200. You get three of them for under 200 bucks. That's $200 in savings. EdenPureDeals.com, code JESSE. We'll be back.
What's going on at the border? We always find a way to talk about it because it always matters. And for some reason, it never really makes the top of the news. It's kind of a big deal if your country's being remade. Joining me now is Mike Howe. He's a former DHS Oversight Council, and he leads Heritage, Heritage's Conservative Oversight Project. Mike, all right, well, you can't seem to find the border anywhere in the news. It's not on any of my media pages. Could you please give us an update on what's happening down there? Is that thing secure now? Oh, yeah, well, it's not. You can find a border on the news, but just not the U.S. border. In fact, in this omnibus <laughs> disaster that they passed, just a couple days ago, and I'll add with bipartisan support, they mentioned the border border security over 10 times. Problem is, about 12 out of those times are other people's borders, not even the U.S. border. So the only discussion of the U.S. border in there is to throw some more money at some things that won't even address the problem. The border is a disaster, but it's meant to be a disaster. It's kind of the, the most purposeful policy action that's actually led to a success for the Biden administration. They set out to deliberately undo all of those things and open up the border. You know why? It's because they want more voters, and they've had success with that. They have, you know, millions and millions of people coming to the border every year. Last year, three million people tried to get in this country. Uh, next year, there's no reason for it, it to be any better. Uh, these people will be on a path to citizenship if Dems can get their way, and pretty soon elections at the national level won't be winnable for Republicans. That's the whole game here. Uh, the, they just don't care about the damage it's doing. Okay, you're right. That's the game. What can we do to stop it? I'm not naive. We don't have the presidency, don't have the House, don't have the Senate. Let's assume, Lord willing, we have that after the, after the midterms. Can we stop the tide of people coming? I'm, I'm assuming we can stop amnesty, but can we stop the tide at all? Yeah, I think this is where states are going to have to get really creative and really bold right now. Uh, unfortunately, no governor has really gone to the furthest extent of, of what is possible in this area. Uh, where we need to end up is in front of the Supreme Court with a case that'll turn over uh, a case from a decade ago, US v. Arizona, which basically said states can't do too much to protect themselves. Uh, that needs to go because we're in a new situation now where the federal government not only is not doing anything to protect our border, but they're siding with the illegal aliens and the cartels that are killing, killing thousands and thousands of uh, Americans, over 100,000 drug overdoses. Uh, last year. So we're in a new situation where states, I think, need to get to the point where they are actually in a place where they can remove illegal aliens themselves. That's going to require a challenge to the, the U.S. v. Arizona case and really pushing the envelope. It's not enough just to do press releases and, you know, fancy, fancy announcements. You need to go up and you need to arrest someone and get them the heck out of here. Mike, national security. We just learned that the FBI, the FBI wasn't even investigating the pipe bombs that were supposedly left at the RNC and DNC on January 6th. We have no arrests. DC is like the most surveilled city in the country, yet we can't seem to find this person. And they weren't even looking into it. I don't know about you, Mike, but I, I think pipe bombs are actually a pretty big deal. Yeah, I, I would think so, but perhaps not for the FBI. They're probably sitting there investigating you and me and everyone else who's on the other side of, of their, their politics. The FBI has failed in multiple high-profile investigations over, over the years. I mean, they still couldn't figure out anything about the, the Las Vegas shooter, for heaven's sakes, after a full-scale investigation. You know, he killed all those people at that concert a few years back. Nothing there that they were able to discover. On the pipe bomb stuff, that's probably not their biggest concern. They want to round up as many Trump supporters that were in the proximity of the Capitol that day and basically ruin their lives to the point where some of them will kill themselves. We just had uh, a gentleman, Matthew Perna, who committed suicide because 
Uh, the Department of Justice came back and tried re-upping their, their, the charges on him and extending pretrial detention and, and all those sorts of, uh, of things. We're going to get to an interesting point pretty soon, though, where some of these January 6th cases go to trial. Uh, and, you you know, everyone's been running around saying this is an insurrection, this is an insurrection. Well, guess what? You're not going to get any insurrection convictions here. And so there's going to be a little bit of embarrassment for the deep state that them and their minions have all been promising all these things. And so they're going to really have to find other ways to twist the screws and really ruin people's lives over January 6th. Uh, and, and so, no, I'm not surprised they didn't find the pipe bomb, you know, planners. Uh, we don't even know who did it. Uh, the FBI clearly had involvement that day, and it's getting on multiple levels with so-called informants throughout the crowd. Uh, I don't think there's a reason to really trust much of what they're saying about this case. Uh, we just got to keep reporting on it and asking questions about some of the obvious ridiculousness that, that's coming out of these deep state tactics that are just, you know, obviously one-sided. Speaking of informants in the crowd, once again, there was an interesting Project Veritas video came out with a New York Times reporter. Watch this. It's like January 6th stuff that is like so over at this point. It's so over. The left's overreaction, the left's reaction to it in some places was so over the top. It was like me and two other colleagues who were there who were outside. And we were just having fun. Dude, come on. Like, we were not in any danger. We're the ones not Fox, not Brett Martin, who actually went and uncovered the fact that, like, there were a ton of FBI informants on the people who attacked the Capitol. That was us. Ton of FBI informants, Mike? I, I remember being called a conspiracy theorist when I've brought that up in the past. Yeah, God bless James O'Keefe for uh, and Project Veritas for getting this kind of stuff out because... Uh, he's the one who's really going undercover and reporting on the fake news and exposing it. So first off, hats off to him. Second off, of course we're not surprised by any of this. We know how that's, that's how they think and what their agenda is. Um, there's a reason why we haven't learned more about who was actually in the crowd, how many connections that they, they had. Uh, meanwhile, we have the January 6th committee on Capitol Hill, which is supposedly uh, getting to the bottom of all of this. Well, they don't seem interested whatsoever. If you look at their, their court case filings, they're only looking at, you know, things that are politically juicy and beneficial to them, you know, Trump advisors and so forth. Um, no one's asking the real questions with any sort of law and enforcement authority and so forth. That how many people were in the crowd? What role did they have? Were they instigating things? Uh, what was Ray Epps' involvement, et cetera? Who was given the orders uh, with regard to the National Guard? Why did Capitol Police escalate things by firing into the crowd? Why is the DOJ charging people who were unarmed, didn't engage with police, and were simply in the vicinity of the Capitol? Uh, the list goes on and on. They clearly overplayed their hand. It's one of the more evil things that's happened in this country. What happened on January 6th, people who hurt law enforcement officers, of course, should be held accountable. But they should be held accountable to the same degree that those in the Black Lives Matter protests who burned this country down to levels that far outweigh anything, anything that January 6th approached. Those are the people who should be behind bars. And uh, if we lived in a fair and free country with actual rule of law, those people would be in bars. We'd have some accountability there. But newsflash, we don't. The system's rigged, and it's, it's rigged against us. Mike, that was outstanding. Thank you, my brother. Yeah, thanks for having me, man. All right. We have Abe Hamaday coming up. He's running for AG. But first, let's talk about suppressors. Do you have any weapons with a suppressor on them? If the answer to that question is no, there's generally two different reasons people give for that. They say, ah, I can't afford it, or something to the effect of, it's illegal, or I don't know how to make it legal. All those things are understandable. It's confusing out there. May I make a suggestion? Go to thesilencershop.com 
their specialty is not just selection. I mean, there are more, they have more than you can possibly imagine. Their specialty is making it easy. They make it easy for you. You got questions? I don't want to be illegal. They're not going to have you do anything illegal. They're going to find you the perfect suppressor at an amazing price. You can get these things as low as $365. Go to silencershop.com and get yourself a suppressor today. Silencershop.com. We'll be back. This is a big development. Yeah. The Fox News Decision Desk is calling Arizona for Joe Biden. That is a big get for the Biden campaign. Joining me now, Abe Hamaday, a Republican running for Arizona's AG. And let's just say that's a fairly important position these days, maybe the most important position in the country. And we've ignored it for too long. Abe, okay, uh, people remember that moment. A lot of people were extremely upset at that moment. They thought Fox maybe called that a little bit too early or way too early. Can you explain beyond that why AG is such an important role and why we've ignored it for so daggone long? Sure, Jesse. Or they might have called it, you know, inaccurately too. Um, I know I tell people usually, and I bring my ballots. I actually got mail-in ballots at my house when I got back from my army tour overseas. So I had three mail-in ballots sent to my house. One of them had was for me the other two was one from the previous homeowner the other one i have no idea who it was for um who no longer lives in state so and for them to gaslight us and say 2020 was the safest and most secure election it's a lie and it's okay to say that right now so you know the ag's office typically you're right exactly four or eight years ago you know it's kind of an underrated office but right now it's been very political and weaponized um in a way and you know quite frankly republicans have to hit back from 2009 to 20 uh, 17 under Barack Obama, Republican AG sued Barack Obama uh, about 80 times in that time period. In the first year of Donald Trump's presidency, the Democratic AG sued him over 100 times. You know, so clearly the left is much better at fighting back than the Republicans, but this is why we need a new generation of leadership who are unafraid and have a backbone to fight back uh, against Joe Biden. Hey, we had a little update. You know, we're going to keep people updated. We had a little update last night about Wisconsin. There's a special counsel there in Georgia. But Arizona is one of those states that doesn't come up as often. Arizona's been all over this stuff, too. What do we know about the 2020 election in Arizona? Not what we think. What do we know up to this point in time? Well, what we know is that Judge Logan extended the voting registration deadline by two weeks. If you remember that, that was back in October. He's an Obama-appointed federal judge. In that time period, 30,000 new registered voters uh, got registered to the added to their voting rolls until the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals struck it down because obviously it's a legislative function. Um, other than that, right now, Attorney General Brnovich, the current AG, has had the investigation on his desk for about 190 days. He's also running for U.S. Senate, um, so there might be political calculations regarding it. But right now, we're waiting and seeing to see if there's going to be any prosecutions and. You know, Dinesh D'Souza, he's got a, a new movie coming out with 2,000 Mules in Arizona. going to be featured prominently in it. So I think right now people realize something is off, off with our elections, and it's time that we reclaim it, especially if by every single metric. Our elections have gotten worse in the past 20 or 30 years. We don't get the results in time, which leads to Fox News you know, possibly making that, that error on election night. And you, so when you don't get the results and they start counting the ballots early on, there's, it's really prone to corruption. So this is what you know, we're trying to fix right now in Arizona. 
Abe, you just got back. You were deployed Saudi Arabia 14 months. The news that is out now, Wall Street Journal reported at first, I believe, that Saudi Arabia just stiffed the president. Biden wanted a call with them, and they said, ah, actually not really interested. The UAE did the same thing. Now, whether or not they take that call and decline, declining to take the call at all is quite an insult, is it not? A big insult, Jesse. And I'll tell you, because I was there under Trump and as well as during the transition under Biden. Let me tell you, when Biden took office, he actually made the MBS role, Crown Prince MBS role. He didn't want to deal with him directly, so he actually shifted that so uh, Lloyd Austin, Secretary of Defense Austin, be dealing with the Crown Prince. But now we are seeing the snubbing. It it didn't start from the Saudis and Emiratis. Uh, Joe Biden called Saudi Arabia pariah state versus Trump. Uh, That was actually Trump's first foreign policy visit as president to, to Saudi Arabia. And then secondly, if you actually look at you know, the Joe Biden, when he took office, he designated the he, he removed the Houthis as a terrorist organization. And believe me, I was there and there are missiles coming in from Yemen. Uh, and there I mean, Yemen is quite far from Riyadh and Jeddah. Um, and just the other week, you saw that these missiles actually hit Abu Dhabi in their, in their city center. So clearly, Saudi Arabia and the United Arab Emirates, they feel abandoned by by this administration. And not just with the Ukraine stuff going on now, too, but we have to understand the Iranian nuclear deal. I mean, that's been kind of forgotten in all this because right now it's it's still going on the negotiations, and I think they're nearing some negotiations that Saudi Arabia and the United Arab Emirates feel left out in participating in that. How did you spend 14 months there? It's so hot. I remember when I was in Kuwait, I just wanted to die. It was so hot. Well, it wasn't too bad. And Jesse, you know, you're from Arizona too, so we kind of got the the warm blood in us. So I actually quite enjoyed the weather. It's much better there than to be in Ukraine right now in the freezing cold. Actually, that's fair. Abe, have a day. Good luck, my brother. Go get him. Thanks, Jesse. Appreciate it. All right. We have a great light in the mood next. Let's Let's lighten the mood about gas prices, huh? But first, we have a special. It's coming tomorrow. It's on nuclear. What can we do nuclear-wise? What can China do? What can Russia do? Are they dropping them from outer space? I, I have so many questions I need answered. We'll get them answered. Now, that's the good news. The bad news is you can't watch that special unless you're a First TV supporter. Go to thefirsttv.com support and sign up today. As soon as that special drops tomorrow, you watch it. Watch any of our specials on demand. Thefirsttv.com support. We'll be back. All right, it's time to lighten the mood. Realize there are some financial stresses out there right now, certainly at the pump. So why not go to some comedians to make it better? The great comedian John Chris put together a little montage. Gas prices are going up again, and you know what that means. A hastily made story about it on your local 5 o'clock news. We'll start with the still shot of the gas station sign, obviously. Then someone opened up the gas tank and put the thing in. Next, we're going to do a shot of the price ticker as they fill up with gas. After that, we'll probably just interview someone at the gas station and ask them very leading questions to get them to make the situation sound way more extreme than it actually is like this. I can't afford to go to the grocery store anymore. I can't afford food anymore. Usually after work on a Friday, I go down to chili and get a cold beer, maybe a two for 20. But now with gas prices being the way they are, 
I can't even afford that. After that, we'll show some more shots of the person we just interviewed getting gas and maybe showing them looking frustrated like this or maybe like this. Not yet convinced that the world is ending tomorrow? How about another doomsday soundbite? I mean, at this point, I'm honestly thinking about maybe, you know, taking out a second mortgage on my house or selling one of my kidneys or something. Then we'll conclude by telling you to tune back in at 10 p.m. to literally watch the exact same story again. <laughs> All right. I'll see you tomorrow.